2: Pack-a-day podcast. Welcome back Packers fans to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is your Saturday crew. It is game day. The playoffs are here. The 2021 season has ended and the playoffs have obviously commenced wildcard re- weekend happened last week. The Packers not involved because they didn't have to be, but they will host later today the San Francisco 49ers at Lambeau Field for the divisional round of these here playoffs. I am one of your hosts, Jason Perone of the a Day podcast, Game on Wisconsin, and the Quick Slants podcast, along with Paul Brettel of Land Express, Cheesehead TV and the Packers Unrestricted podcast, and Matt Fralick of Game on Wisconsin and the Final Dump podcast. Gentlemen, it is time. The playoffs are here. Paul, we'll start with you. You're in the Great Dairyland State of Wisconsin. We will do the weather in the correct order, but how are you feeling? It's game day. It's finally here.
3: I am so incredibly excited. Not to downplay the regular season. We all know how important it is. Every year is a new year, as Aaron Rodgers says. You have a new team. You have to find that way to win with each new team. Every game is important to build that success towards the postseason. You have to prove that you are one of the top teams. And once again, the green Bay Packers have, but we knew coming into this season when we don't know what the future holds that this was potentially a last dance. So there's all of that added energy excitement and just everything surrounding the playoffs. Cause we knew that the super bowl is the end goal. And now we're starting that, you know, as Rodgers calls it the second season. So I am so incredibly excited to get it underway.
2: Yeah. For sure, that's exactly what it is. The Packers have some seriously high goals here. Mr. Fralick, just down the street from Paul Brettel, how excited are you?
1: I'm pretty jacked, man. I mean, honestly, like living up to those expectations, like Paul said, the Super Bowl is the goal. Um, Sometimes you fall short of those goals, but at this point, they are trending in the right direction, even more so after these last couple weeks with just the way the rosters shook out a little bit and guys coming back, obviously that's been the focal point and gotten some national media attention, but a week off, I maybe mean, a week and a half, essentially with you have a half of a, a game you didn't play um, versus the Lions and bad taste in the mouth for some Packers fans, but it's time to instead of speculating it, let's actually play the damn game tonight at 7:15 in title
2: town. Let's go as they say. All right, let's get the weather going and let's get to this game preview here. So we have Alex in Poland, been a while since we've heard from him he is looking forward to the Packers hopefully and Aaron Rodgers hopefully slicing and dicing in our defense will kick their freezing behinds figuratively he says he doesn't want any penalties so speaking of freezing he says in Poland they are in the high 20s for the last week or so with some wind and a little bit of snow and then we move over to Sweden where we have a couple of entries i think each one of you has an entry so i don't know whichever one of you wants to go first paul we'll start with your weather report
3: yep so i got a message from green bay packers sweden he's in stockholm specifically he said it snowed heavily a couple days ago low at 20 degrees high of 38 fahrenheit of course and he says he might travel to the conference championship game if the green bay packers are able to get there uh, green bay packers sweden also sent me a link so for the Uh, Northeast Wisconsin residents over at Green Bay Press Gazette, if you get the paper, or greenbaypressgazette.com. They did a profile on 12 different international Green Bay Packers fans. So it's a fun read. Check that out as well.
2: Good stuff. And then Matt Fralick jumping in with the weather report. We got a full roster of weather this week.
1: It's. I think it's just like everyone's excited, right? Everyone had to get in. I didn't have to throw like a the bat signal out there on Twitter this week. I actually got one from a guy, Martin, who's been coming pretty strong the last couple months for me ever since I've been a part of this Saturday crew. But Martin says, uh, the weekend weather looks like a mix of sunshine and snowfall. Temperature about 23 degrees Fahrenheit. The thing here, too, though, he goes, my only question is if I'm going to stay up during the game and watch it live or stay away from social media and watch it later on Sunday because kickoff is at 2.15 a.m. Sunday morning. Go, pack, go. I've never been in that predicament, but I can very, very, very rest assured that, one, I wouldn't be able to have enough self-control to say off Twitter, and two, like, I don't know how I would wait until the next morning to, like, I mean, what time do you wake up? Like, I mean, if it starts at 2.15 a.m., like, you're going to wake up at 6.30 anyways and watch the game, like, right when it's done. I, I don't know how he would do it. So, however, Martin's going to figure it out, more power to him um, as a supporter across the,
2: across the globe. No, you watch that in real time. I'm telling you right now, that European contingent is dedicated. They are up watching it live, (laughs) and that is really, really, really impressive. Unless it's the Olympics, we really don't have to deal with that here in the States. We're pretty spoiled as far as as the the timing of everything. And then we move over to where it really matters. Stateside here in the great Dairyland State of Wisconsin and Green Bay, where it's going to be chilly for this game here on Mm -hmm. Saturday night. So I don't know which one of you two won the coin flip, but... How are we looking in Green Bay lately this weekend, and more importantly for tonight?
1: Yeah, I virtually wrestled Paul for this one, and I won somehow. I'm shocked by that. But uh, <laughs> as of now, uh, this morning it's 21 degrees. The wind is the wind. Um, I guess prediction has picked up even more. Now we have gusts predicted up to 25 miles an hour and like a steady of 14. The on Wednesday night there was like there was a forecast of some snow coming in in the morning and i don't know if that was the local media just trying to drum it up like it was going to be there's going to be some snow on the field for the game at this point and uh, friday night when recording there's nothing in the forecast yet but things could change there's still a 5% of precipitation where previously i want to say it was maybe above 50% but definitely going to factor in with the wind uh, going to feel like 7 degrees for the high and i think by the time we get into the actual kickoff it is going to be i mean it's going to be damn cold i mean it's going to feel like minus 1 Uh, with a high of four at that point. I mean, it is going to be a cold, cold freaking game for those San Francisco 49ers coming east from California.
2: That is what we like. Nice and frigid, nice and cold. All right, well, bring in your warmer thoughts, as I always do. It's actually going to be cloudy here in the Phoenix locale. Let me get my voice a little bit higher. How many more octaves higher can I get it there? It's going to be a little cloudy this weekend. (laughs) High of 70, but Cloudy. So I don't know if that if that counts or if it's still, you know, I always look for your your guys's facial expressions when I read my weather. Paul, you don't have yeah. one anymore. You're tired of it. Paul's I'm been just dealing with this. From, yeah, exactly. Two and a half years. Like he's just like, whatever, just, just shut up. And then rounding everything off here, we got our friend in Kamloops, Canada, Harry, who's a couple of days of guys. He's a couple days away from the sun hitting his house for the first time in months. So <laughs> looks like you can do it, Harry. Sunny and windy, Seriously? high of 36, low of 29, wind chill gets it down to 19. So it's actually going to be warmer there than it is in Green Bay. Bottoms up to any coping mechanism that you use. I guess he's probably talking about to get through the stress of the game and manage the nerves and cheers to all, as he says. So that's the weather. Moving on to Packers football. I know it's a game day, and so it's a little bit of a different type of show, but. Real quick, as we always usually do on uh, on Saturdays, the injury report, which is the day before the game. So fortunately for the Packers, not a very long list. We'll just skim through it real quickly, guys, and give our quick thoughts. Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, both listed as questionable. Alexander was limited in practice all three days. David Bakhtiari did not practice Tuesday or Thursday. Limited Wednesday. He will be a game time decision. And wide receiver Marquez valdez scantling Listed as doubtful, he's still dealing with his back issue. Only limited on Tuesday. Didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll start with that. Matt, I'll start with you. Two pro bowlers, two all pros. Jai Alexander, David Bakhtiari would love to have them out there against the 49ers. But the Packers obviously have to be smart. They were able to get by and get past the 49ers. Earlier this season was Josh Nyman at yet left tackle. Although this is the playoffs. Nick Bosa for the 49ers. Will play. He's not even listed as questionable. So he's clear of the concussion protocol. The Niners come in pretty healthy as well. They don't really have anybody that's out. A couple guys questionable. Uh, Jordan Willis on the defensive line and Ambry Thomas, cornerback, but all their starters look to be ready to play. So we'll start with Alexander and Bakhtiari. It'd be Jair's first action in a long time. Bakhtiari, obviously we need him out there as far as keeping Rogers clean. And that being a big issue in last uh, season's playoffs. How are we feeling about the possibility that they may or may not play?
1: I mean, it's wild, honestly, that it's come to this point where we're getting all these guys back. And if I was a better podcaster and a Packers fan and NFL fan, I'd probably do some research on how many teams, or, you know, by by week as a first-round bye in the playoffs or anything of that matter, got a couple guys like this in the playoffs back off of a couple weeks of injuries, let alone almost damn near the whole year. I mean, it's just an incredible extra boost for this team to be able to have uh, all pros back. And you mentioned Bakhtiari. It sounded like today uh, Paul had told us in the pre-production that uh, Rappaport mentioned, he's going to go through walkthroughs, see how that goes today. And we'll go from there. Jair looks like he'll be a full go. I mean, he has been participating on the sidelines for, I feel like since around Thanksgiving by himself, just run around, finally put the shell on finally put the shoulder pads on LaFleur made a really, really bad dad joke about how he could kind of, uh, figure out if that shoulder was good this week about running, you know, putting the strapping up the shoulder pads, running through a uh, concrete wall. I didn't think it was that funny. Matt LaFleur obviously sticks, sticks more to the X's and O's. Um, but honestly, I mean, the thing with, I think Bakhtiari is going to be a go. I don't see why not. I mean, there'd have to be something that happened, obviously, from that Lions game with the setback. That just seems super bizarre to me. Um, I feel like you would almost would have heard something at this point if he got tweaked in practice because Twitter would have blown up. The thing with Jair, though, is like that shoulder, and I've said this time and time again the last couple weeks, especially as it's been more of a, I guess, a good guess that he'd be coming back for the playoffs is the way he plays in so physical, especially in run support, like that shoulder, putting that shoulder down on Debo Samuel or Eliza Mitchell, or trying to blow up a use check uh, block or a, a George Kittle chip out block. Like that's, that's going to be where it really, really, I think it could impact this game. And I know for me, and I'm sure you guys alike and everyone that um, you know, was watching the game is going to be holding their breath a little bit. The first time Jair puts his shoulder down or puts his head down and makes some contact um, one, it's like, okay, he still has it. But like two, like, how does he get up from it? And Jair's been one, I feel like, over the course of his career to really play with high emotion. It, it takes a lot for him to come out of a game. Um, that's why in that Steelers game, it was surprised that he came out, but you didn't really think much of it because it normally doesn't happen. So um, they're going to have to protect him from himself a little bit. But overall, it's it's incredible that Jair's going to come back, and I think he's one of the easier ones probably to plug and play. Um, you can say the same maybe about Zadarius or Merciless, but I think Jair coming back is huge, huge, huge because we saw that the Packers' secondary was – um, you know, it was exposed a few times throughout this season uh, when Jair was out, and now you're going to be going up against better offenses even yet. I mean, between the Niners, you know, the Rams, the Bucks, those are super, super solid offenses, and rightfully so, they've made it to the divisional round. But hopefully, Jair can go. Hope I mean, I would assume there's going to be a couple miscues there, whether it's um, you know, coverage wise, or maybe rolling a coverage over the top for one of the safeties to take. So I think that'll take time to figure out. But if there, if preparation and the skill set that Jair has paired with the guys he has in his team and Joe Barry's coached him up enough, um, that shouldn't be an issue. So I'm, ex- I'm completely ecstatic to see the best 53 man roster we've seen this entire year today.
2: Yeah. I should have mentioned too, Whitney Merciless and Zedaria Smith, both activated off of injured reserve. And so that's a huge, huge thing for the defense. You make a really good point, Matt, about, the Packers don't really have time to test this thing out, and and for bumps and bruises. I mean, for Jair to get out there and for there to be a mis- miscommunication in coverage, it can all it takes is one for the season to go awry, and they're they're going to be playing against the best of the best at this point. As we all know, the narrative that we've heard is if the Packers get a chance to play two games here, it could be the last two teams that beat them in the playoffs two year two years running, the Niners and the, and the Buccaneers on their way to the playoffs that they may have to get through if they want to get to the Super Bowl. This season, Paul, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari. We know how important they are and your thoughts on them, but the front for the Green Bay Packers up front on defense now gets such a huge, huge lift. With Zadarius, you just get some more chess pieces to play with up there, and you've already got some really good players in Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, who's having himself a good season.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate –
3: Yeah, and, and just quickly on Jair, I do absolutely think he's going to play because in order to make room on the 53-man roster for Merciless and Z, Packers had to make two cuts because they were at roster capacity. They cut interior defense alignment Jack Heflin, and they cut cornerback Isaac Yadam. So if Yadam's cut and say Jair didn't play, they only have five active cornerbacks, and I just do not see them going into a game with only five active cornerbacks. So as we like to do here, read the tea leaves. That's why I think Jair Alexander is going to play. He leaves. (laughs) In regards to Zedarius and Merciless being back, I mean, it's huge. Edge rusher is a premier position in this game. And even with the ups and downs that the defense has had this season, the Packers have consistently been very good, one of the best teams in generating pressure. Kenny Clark, uh, Rashawn Gary is number two in pressures among the edge rushers. Preston Smith is tied for 10th, but the depth of the edge rusher position was the, the concern. I believe we talked about this last week a little bit as well, but getting Z in there, getting Merciless in there, there's certainly upgrades over Garvin and Teepa and I still think that in the grand scheme of things, in terms of snap counts, it's going to be Preston Smith and Gary as the top two out there. They've been out there the entire season. Both have been uber productive, as I just mentioned. And I see Z and Merciless taking on those rotational roles, playing 20 to 30 snaps a game, maybe primarily on pass rushing downs. And I still think we're going to see Z out there with Preston and Gary as well just because that's such a formidable pass rushing front. But the we can't we can't overstate the importance of getting those two back because as good as Gary and Preston were, Looking at the entire edge rusher group prior to Zian Merciless returning, depth was a very real concern. And there aren't a lot of concerns on this team, but that was one of them. However, now with those two back in the mix, it absolutely could become a strength.
2: Yeah, and I think the, the I've talked about the dialed in and the focus of the team this year that's what has me less worried about some of these guys coming back but but Matt again you make a really good point and and certain positions like the secondary you got to be in tune with your safeties and corners and and it's it's not like the defensive or offensive line where you got the guy right next to you a lot of times you see offensive linemen tap their guy next to them and there's you know un, unspoken communication and stuff like that some of that nuance there that's going to exist but on the offensive side of things, it looks like Randall Cobb is going to play, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling won't be out there, so your deep threat may, could potentially be gone. I mean, Devontae Adams can do a lot of things, but to, to not have uh, Valdez-Scantling out there, as the Packers haven't for uh, what the past couple games, he didn't play much in, in the last game because he got hurt. Any potential impact that you think? I mean, the, the offense is going to do what it's going to do, and they're going to try to run the football. It's a cold day, and if the wind is what you're saying it was, Matt, then throwing could be a little bit more problematic. But as far as MVS not being out there on your concern level, I guess scale of 1 to 10, 10 being bad, bad, and 1 being not too concerned, where are you at with no 83 out there if he can't go?
1: I'm not too concerned. I mean, MVS does add an, an extra element to the offense, You know, he can run super super fast. He can pull the defense down the field and take the safeties away from the line of scrimmage when you're trying to run the ball more. That being said, you know injuries have impacted his season thus far. He's had a couple big games, but he's had you know the the average MVS type games as well. Um, I want to say he's only had like some crazy, like, I think I looked at the other day, like he only had like six receptions since like before Christmas or something crazy like that. And it's, it's skewed obviously based off of them having a bye week and, um, you know, with the, the first round by and him being out. But like if Randall Cobb wasn't coming back, it'd be more of a concern. Cause then who's your third receiver at that point? I mean, that is kind of scary. Um, but like you mentioned too, like with the weather impacting it, throwing that ball 40, 50 yards on the field to MVS, uh, not as likely, even if he was healthy, you can still take deep shots, uh, you know those mid-range or medium-sized routes to uh, Devonte Adams on a back shoulder, or, you know a deep in route, uh, you know the twenty fifteen-yard situation. So um, it impacts it slightly um, because you know the the safeties can creep up the line. I assume this game is going to be more of a ground and pound game from either side, um, and I expect that to to be the case, especially with the way the weather is and just the way these both teams are playing down the stretch. So um, a little bit of concern but overall the the impact that mvs has made in this season has been minuscule from my take um so it's not that big of a deal but it does suck because you never know i mean C- Cobb could come back and you know he's going to be super limited i don't expect him to be playing a ton of snaps but what if something happens he gets he gets dinged up and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you are in a, a, a situation where it's Lazard and it's Devante Adams and you don't really know who's going to be someone to contribute after that because you're kind of down receivers and pass catchers as it is throughout the season so slightly concerned but overall it's not that big of a deal because he hasn't really been that big of a contributor in
2: my opinion. EQ is a receiver and you've got Malik Taylor if you really need him out there. Amari Rogers kind of put himself in the doghouse if if you mm-hmm. ask me after his special team's very questionable decisions in the Detroit game. So Paul, real quick, your thoughts on MVS and then what's behind him if they have to rely on some of their depth as as all the other position groups have had to do this season.
3: I'd put it at like a six, maybe a seven for me. Not because of, you know, the Packers obviously have other pass catchers that can step up. You guys mentioned them, Cobb being back. Uh, Lazard's been playing fantastic over the last month. We've seen the tight end position. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones on the backfield. In terms of pass catchers, effective pass catchers, that's not the issue, but there's no one on this team that can do what MVS does with his 4-3-7 speed and being able to stretch the field. And when he was out following the 49ers game when they played in the regular season for that stretch, the Packers' explosive play rate, it took a hit. And I certainly think that was because he wasn't there because that's you know that's his bread and butter. But on top of that, as we've talked about on the show before, his game has expanded, and with that speed of his, he's going to draw attention from the safeties in particular, which can open up other pass catchers for Green Bay. We've also seen him more refined on the intermediate routes. He hasn't played in the slot a ton, but he's been, when he has, he's been one of the most efficient receivers in football from the slot in terms of yards per route run. So, I like I said, in terms of pass catchers, the Packers have plenty, but in terms of what he brings to this team – there's not another person on the team that can do what he does. And in looking at this 49ers defense and how Green Bay can try to take advantage of it, I know it's going to be cold, but I won't be surprised if we see Green Bay come out slinging the ball because they're going up against a very good defensive front, but those Niner cornerbacks, that's that's the weak part of that defense. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this is a game where Devontae Adams can have a big, big day. I mean, he, in week three, he was targeted 18 times he's targeted 15 times or in that ballpark i'm not going to be surprised whatsoever so i think that's going to be a path for green bay to find success on offense which i mean that's not me breaking any news they have aaron Rodgers, they have Devonte adams but when looking at the niner defense i think that's a part that they can exploit
2: rogers has a lot of years of experience playing a lot of playoff games he's going to spread the ball around and he knows how to get the best out of any player that's out there but let's not make any mistake in the postseason when it's a little bit higher stakes and you're getting ready to throw the ball and you've got in the back of your mind, a little question about where you're going to go with it. You can be sure 12 is going to be looking for 17, a very healthy dose in this, in this game, maybe to the detriment of the offense. We've seen it happen before where he tried to force the ball in there. I think he did it a couple times against Tampa last year in the NFC championship game. So that kind of nicely transitions us over to kind of our, our keys to the game. So we'll each kind of give one, and, uh, Matt, we'll start with you as far as, as a key to the game or any thoughts on the other ones that we have here too. But there's a lot of them. We've, we've heard all the narratives about the 49ers pass rush, the run game, you know, Jimmy G only having to throw it nine times a couple seasons ago, obviously a different roster, different situation. So, uh, or maybe special teams and how the Packers special teams are not very good. Rick Gosling came out with his annual rankings. And of course the Packers, once again, at the bottom of the list, unfortunately, so is, is that perhaps where you're looking for this one? So what is your key to the Packers moving on and hosting another game the weekend following in the conference championship?
1: I, I think the ones for the Niners are kind of obvious, so I'm going to hopefully stick away from there. and assume some, one of you guys will bring it up and it's, I mean, anyone that's followed the that team or watched the Niners the last couple of years, it's not like they're doing anything new, right? Um, I'm going to go with something that Paul brought up a couple weeks ago um, on his article from Dairyland Express that we kind of talked about, the the X factors for the playoffs, and that being the Packers' uh, special teams. And you kind of hit on the head as you, you wrapped up the question for me, Jason, is at some po- – I mean, there's been a couple games this year, uh, the Bengals game in particular, where you know Mason Crosby was off. Um, and those have been far and few between. I mean, there's been a, a couple – you a know, handful of games, but it hasn't been anything you know, that severe. I mean, maybe a miss here or there, but it's been – I feel like he's found his stride a little bit uh, more recent. And even when you have a new long snapper in there and it, whatever, I think he's found his way. But I really, really do think at some point, whether it's the the coverage or specifically the return game on the kicker punt, it, it's going to impact the game somehow. I think Wisnowski a, a damn good punter from the Niners. I've never seen anything too flawed in the Niners' special teams. Although, you know, how real intricate am I looking at it from week to week? It doesn't come up on my Twitter timeline as some viral thing where they they just absolutely blunder. So, all in all, um, with a cold game like this, with the wind swirling, I mean, that's that's a recipe for disaster for a returner or even a kicker or a punter. So, I, I think that's a huge key. Like, don't, you, you know, frankly, you have probably a better offense. Assuming these guys that are, they're bringing back, are 100 uh, percent, you know, effective in the way they normally play. You got a better defense. Don't lose that third facet of the game. I mean, if you can, if you can control uh, what you're doing on the special teams unit, that's fine. We met uh, David Moore has not been activated yet. Paul corrected me before we got talking in our group message that um, he still has time to be activated, which is great. Um, it's shocking to me that he really isn't already on the active 53 based off of how he performed uh, late in the season in that one game. So just right there already gives me concern, but you know, when you guys are finally listening to this, um, Saturday morning, shoot, if he's active, I, I feel a little bit, uh, you know, better about it, but 15 to 20 mile an hour wins, man, that can, anything and can happen in Lambo and Lambo can get some swirling wins up there. So I'm gonna go to the special teams unit. Um, because you know, if, if nothing happens in this divisional round and they end up winning the game, you know, fingers crossed, it, it could happen later on the road. So you hope they can queue up those miscues and, The weather, I assume, is going to impact it in some capacity, but hopefully not as much as we've seen throughout the year in a condensed version.
2: The mistakes are magnified in games like this. The Packers have three more games to win before they're bringing the Lombardi Trophy back to Green Bay. There's a lot that has to happen before that can go down, but we've all said it a bunch of times, and I've been knocking on wood, and now you kind of put it out there in the universe, Matt, where you you stated the obvious, and it's true. The special teams – at this point now, it's it's one thing to, to cost your, your team some yards or a game in Week 18 where it doesn't matter. But that could be the difference between winning and losing in some of these really close games. So no surprise that it's the special teams for you, Matt. And, yes, there's going to be a lot of eyes and, and ears listening for any updates there as far as the special teams and who's going to be out there or not. Don't forget, too, you've got Randall Cobb, who I know <laughs> – muffed a punt when he went out there in, in relief of Amari Rogers. But at this point in the season, we've seen past Packers teams do the same thing. And we've said it before. You put your best 12, 11 guys on the field. You have your best 53 uh, up for the postseason. So Paul, any quick thoughts on special teams and then give us your key to this game between the Packers and 49ers.
3: Uh, So I'll have a couple keys, but in terms of special teams, I wrote an article about it for Dairyland Express on Friday, though one, one positive, I guess, is they're kind of trending in the right direction. And I know that was a very low bar to try to try to get over, but Mason Crosby's only missed that one extra point in Detroit Detroit since the uh, bye week there's the emergence of David Moore. And as Matt said, we still have to see if he's going to be activated or not, but there just haven't been those egregious errors. And this special teams unit, they are who they are at this point. There's no magic fix. There's not going to be a magic turnaround. They are who they are. The hope is that they can just hold it together, be competent. That's, that's really all they need to do. This unit doesn't have to be great by any means. They just have to avoid those game changing momentum changing, negative type of plays. So, of course, we're going to have all eyes on that. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, my my key to victory would be Green Bay getting off to a fast start and controlling the clock. It's something that they've struggled with this season. Uh, ironically, the one time that they did or one of the few times they did go off to a fast start was against the 49ers. They're up 17-0 in that game. Mm-hmm. But as we know, for most of the season, the 2021 season's actually kind of like a flip from 2019. You guys remember Matt LaFleur's first season? The opening script, they were so, so good. In that first mm-hmm. quarter, they jump out to those leads. And then the second quarter, third quarter is when the offense would stall. This year, it's been reversed. The opening script, and I don't have the answer, but they just have not been nearly as effective. The Packers finished the regular season, ranked 25th, and average first quarter points scored. But if they can get out to a fast start, Obviously, that means the offense is playing well. It means they're finding success in the red zone. But more importantly, or I should say just as importantly, that's going to benefit the defense. We know the defense has been trending downward. I don't think there's a magic fix out there to turn the the defense around magically. I think the biggest boost that they can receive, and don't get me wrong, they need to play better. It's not to say nothing can be done. But the biggest boost they can receive is from this offense if Green Bay can jump out to a fast start, if they can control a clock, uh, you know, uh, extend those possessions, it's going to limit and take the Niners offense out of their game plan. We know they want to run the ball, but as the game goes on, if you're down by seven, down by 10, down by 14, gets a lot harder to rely on that run game, puts the ball in Jimmy G's hands, which ultimately is what we want for this Green Bay Packers team. And on the flip side, while they haven't gotten off to fast starts, they have been excellent in controlling the clock this season. They finished the season ranked first in time of possession, average time of possession per game. So, uh, But if they can get off to a fast start, I think that's just going to do this defense so much help. And I know they won't do it. I don't think it's in Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers' DNA. But if Green Bay won the toss, I would love for them to take the ball.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I know there's going to be fans out there who disagree because the double dip can be so valuable. Obviously, Lafleur Rogers Rodgers believe in that as well. And we've seen it a number of times. But I would just love for this offense to take the ball, go and score, and give their defense that seven-point lead.
2: Yeah, that was – you took the – I was literally going to ask, defer or take the ball because that's (laughs) going to be a really big question as to what happens. And I think – so what do you think the Niners will do? I mean, what do you think the Niners want to do? I mean, I I think both teams probably want the ball because San Francisco in a 0-0 game – can try to run the football now on the flip side I'd expect the Packers to absolutely be ready for San Francisco to do everything they can to try to run the football so I still think there could be value if Green Bay defers because they should be still ready for it and, and I don't know if Shanahan uses any kind of a script like we know the floor does but this, this is also the playoffs and I think the Niners are going to try to steal some points and possessions some yards you've got an X factor like Debo Samuel back there who spent a bunch of time in the backfield against Dallas he's going to be everywhere and the Packers are going to have to account for him I still think we're going to see Trey Lance at some point in this game and the Packers have to be prepared for that I mean teams know that the Packers can be run on and there's there's holes and there's there's kinks in the armor, or whatever they call it there that can be exploited so Matt, your thoughts on Paul's key there. Obviously, it's it's very well taken. I agree with it 100%. And the key to controlling this game obviously is build up a lead, score points.
1: Hell yeah. I mean, honestly, the the getting out to a fast start is it, I'm Paul hit it on the head and he also added in the uh, you know, taking the ball right, not even worried about the double dip. I mean, that is huge. Brendan Dorzinski talked about that on our episode for um Final Dump that came out on Friday for Game on Wisconsin. He, he, he hit it on the head too. He's like, you know, if they get up to a fast start, that eliminates the factor of the Niners being able to pound the ball as consistent as they want to. I, I, and I think it's the best way. And Paul even even followed it up previously with it or started it out, um, foreshadowed I should say with. The fact that he thinks they'd come out throwing the ball right away, the Packers. Um, that would be fantastic. They can get out and throw the, sling the ball around a little bit, get into a little rhythm, then that run game can be even more effective down the road. So if you can get out to a fast start, I think that's great. I, honestly my eyebrows went up, Jason. You mentioned the Trey Lance thing. I I had like a fleeting thought about that. Maybe around the water cooler on Thursday. Like, would they even be get in there at some point with Garoppolo's injuries? Possibly. I think the the you know, the opportunity that would be would be like in the red zone goal line situation. But who the hell knows? I mean, it would be kind of it would be a little bit stupid on the Packers part to not think that he could get in the game just with the current health of Jimmy Garoppolo. But, dude, if Trey Lance gets in there at some point, I mean, I, I'm going to be standing up screaming at my damn TV because I I will not feel confident about that, even if he's a rookie or not and just seen limited times. But I love the Paul's um, I love Paul's, you know, X factors are keys to the game. I think right away, if they get out to an early start, whether they take the ball or not, that's going to dictate it. So in the first 10 minutes of the game, um, probably going to be on the edge of my seat even more so just to see if they can actually do that and not have to worry about stopping the run game if the Niners do get up by a score or two.
3: One other thing I just want to add, watch out for the trick plays because yeah. that yeah. Lions game, and I know Packers are playing vanilla. It didn't matter to them. But they put on tape that they mm-hmm. can't. LeFleur, I think, after the game, that's what he was just most mad about. Because when those trick plays work, guys void their responsibilities. And Kyle Shannon, as we know, we saw it even at the end of the Dallas game, he's not afraid to bust that kind of stuff out. So the Green Bay Packers have on tape that they're susceptible to that stuff. And I hope, my hope, and I'm, you know, actually thank you, Detroit Lions, for doing that because maybe it was an added area of emphasis during these last. Last two weeks of practice, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if I see Kyle Shanahan dive into his bag of tricks to try to fool Green Bay, just because they've shown that, you know, they're susceptible to it.
2: Wake up call for the Packers and making sure that they're they're prepared. And then think about this too: how many touchdown passes have offensive linemen eligibles caught over the past couple weeks? Right. So when you get a heavy mm-hmm. running team down by the goal line and you're a defensive guy and you make the assumption that there's an extra offensive lineman in there to block and pave the way for the run game. And all of a sudden he squeaks into the end zone and he's catching a touchdown pass. The Packers need to be ready for everything. When you're trying to beat a team like green Bay, where it's probably going to take something extraordinary to do it. That's how you do it by taking chances. And and as Bruce Arians has said many times, no risk it, no biscuit. The Niners are on the road. It's going to be cold. They've got some guys that are dinged up. They're going to play, but and I know these are very different situations. But ten years ago, to your point, Matt, about Trey Lance and you screaming at your TV, we saw a young quarterback mm-hmm. who was very mobile have to step in for a pocket passer. Where have you heard this story before? And the Packers had a lot of problems in that playoff game against that young quarterback. So, obviously, a much different time at this point right now. So, uh, f- for me. It's taking the ball away. The defense has got to take the ball away. And especially so they all these things intertwine, but um, Paul, to your point, if the Packers get that control, the ball's gonna be in Jimmy G's hands, especially with all the guys that are back and gonna play in this game. There's gonna be an opportunity at least once or twice for the Packers to steal one. And and that's not even talking about ball security fumbling and, and the running backs and hopefully the Packers are sure tacklers you know they've been one of the best tackling teams this year so get the guy to the ground don't whiff going for the ball and trying to be a hero in a playoff game just make the play but the secondary you got Jair back Razul Douglas it's been a while since we've seen him make one of his magical plays the Packers have to take the ball away I think when they uh and and Paul you can probably jump in with this one too the Packers have an outstanding record when they win the turnover battle I mean they're they're I mean what is it yeah I mean, so and and that's under Matt LaFleur, I assume, right? Or is that just in their last Matt LaFleur. So take the ball away and, and get I mean, it sounds very easy, but that's what playoff games often come to. It comes down to to turnovers. I mean, look at the NFC Championship game. The Packers won to go to Super Bowl 45. BJ Raji comes up with a huge improbable interception and scores. You just need big plays like that in the playoffs. And so I think that's what it is. It's it's hanging on to the ball because the other thing that we've seen is the Packers. Have these magical seasons, and then all their best players on the la- on the same day decide they're going to have their worst game of their career or the worst game of that season. And then you've got guys like Aaron Jones fumbling, Devontae Adams dropping passes. I rewatched Super Bowl forty-five. I was watching some highlights of it. Man, I forgot how many drop passes there were in that game. Like you just mm-hmm. have to hang on to the football, so protect the football on the Packers side, but they've got to take the ball away from san francisco and i don't i'll tell you i want this game i want green bay up by at least 10 because that's going to take away the temptation from shanahan to run those trick plays and try some of those gadget things that hopefully we don't don't have to deal with i mean packers are going to hopefully live to, to see next week and they'll have to prep for it again against a whole new roster of players that are going to come in but that's my my key right there and it's obvious you know i mean everything that we said is very obvious and these are all really well taken points but the whole turnover thing, and it's been a while since we've seen Russell Douglas uh, take one away. I keep pointing to him, but he's just, I see things that get you there in the playoffs during the regular season become the storyline in the playoffs as well. So, Matt, your take. Obviously, the Packers have to win the turnover battle, but how might they do it? Where do you think the the key comes from in that area?
1: pressure man that's where it's going to come like we haven't even mentioned Jimmy G really at all we've talked more about Trey Lance which is hilarious but like if you can get the pressure on him right like make Jimmy have to throw with that busted up thumb of that bad shoulder like make him win the game like and that that's where you know we talked about it like getting out to an early start for the Packers if you get out to an early start they're gonna have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo like that's that's exactly what you want and that's probably not what Kyle Shanahan wants to do like he wants to be able to have Jimmy turn around, hand the ball off to whoever's got back there, whether it be Debo, Elijah Mitchell, whoever they activate, that's going to be another guy that can run the, the rock. So it's going to be the pressure for me. And I think uh, the pass rush is going to dictate um, some coverage plays. And uh, that's exactly what I expect to happen. So I don't know who's going to get the pick. It would seem at this point, one of the safeties are due for me. Um, but that's, that's exactly what I think is going to happen with these, with these fresh pass rushers coming in, regardless of, how many snaps they can get collectively. I think there should be some pressures on there and a couple sacks and whether it's a fumble or an interception, that's where I expect it to come from.
2: If It's going to be the safeties. No better time for somebody to step up and finally have a big game than 26 Darnell Savage. Mm -hmm. Paul, your thoughts on the turnover battle and where the Packers biggest opportunity might be to get one or two.
3: I mean, I agree with everything you said and I think Jimmy G is going to at some point afford them that opportunity. It's just can they capitalize on it, on it or not. Uh, and a key part for Green Bay is going to be forcing, and I, where I think these turnover opportunities can come, is forcing him to throw to the boundaries. So in one of my articles this week, I had talked about how Jimmy G loves the middle of the field. So Debo Samuel has been targeted 117 times this season. 80 have come between the numbers. George Kittle's been targeted 93 times this season. 67 have come between the numbers. That's where the Niners like to make their hay. And as we know, Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach at getting those guys in space. And with that, they're also very good at picking up yards after the catch. So Jimmy G is averaging 29.9 pass attempts per game. That's the fourth fewest in football. In terms of average depth of target, so on average, how far does the pass travel? He ranks 30th out of 39 quarterbacks, eligible quarterbacks. But the 49ers passing offense is number one, according to Sharp Football, in explosive pass play rate. So how do they accomplish that? Yak, 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 yak. Debo Samuel is uh, second among receivers in total yak, first in average. George Kittle's fir- fourth in total yak among tight ends, sixth in average. Brandon Iyuk, he ranks ninth in yak, um, yak average among receivers. Even Elijah Mitchell, the the running back, he's averaging 3.83 yards after contact. That's the fourth best in football. This Niners team is very explosive with the ball in their hands, and with that, tackling is going to be so, so crucial. Jason, you mentioned that. Packers are actually ranked second by Pro Football Focus in tackling the season. They have the fewest tackles missed in football. And that's going to be so vital to their success because we know Kyle Shanahan's going to drop those guys are going to get the ball in space, but it's being able to limit what they do. It's keeping everything in front of you. It's eleven guys to the ball, and one other piece that I want to mention that's going to be important for this defense is gap responsibility against the run, particularly the edge rushers. They don't, they can't get too far upfield That creates running lanes. If they get too aggressive, and we've seen this especially as of late. Going towards a quarterback, that's going to create running lanes towards the outside. Kyle Shanahan's going to run a lot of eye candy to try to keep them off balance, keep them guessing, can't fall for it, can't over pursue. again. That's going to create running lanes for the, the 49ers game, run game with Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell. So... Tackling and just those fundamentals, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're boiling this down to turnovers, tackling and and gap responsibilities, which are some of the basic core fundamentals of football. But as we have these discussions, we each week and not just us, but in general, they're, they're aspects that are forgotten about. But when you look at how this Green Bay Packers team is going to find success against the 49ers, I mean, those are, those are the big things. And if we look at one game in particular against Cleveland where Green Bay had perhaps their worst tackling performance of the season where Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, the edge rushers, they weren't maintaining their edge. They weren't setting the edge. Cleveland ran for 220 yards. They average almost nine yards per carry. And it's certainly within the realm of possibility that if the Packers have that type of performance against the 49ers, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to average nine yards per rush. Cause that was just absolutely absurd. But If they have that type of performance, the Niners are going to find a lot of success on the ground.
2: Could you imagine if we find out at some point later today, magically? I know it can't happen, but Raheem Mostert's active and he's playing for. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Just uh, even they should get another running back. Yeah, ghost of playoff teams past. But that's a good point, Paul. And I think San Francisco, all these teams that are in the playoffs, are there for a reason because they're really good. And if you need a if you, if you wanted a test there against a really good offensive line and a good running back of what things can be like in the playoffs, Cleveland was that. Unfortunately, the Packers survived, and they, but they survived because the quarterback on the other side was not playoff worthy, and and the Browns are not in the playoffs, so there's a reason for that. So, very good points, all very well taken, and I have to say, in in listening to you talk about George Kittle and the fact that that's the first time his name has come up here, I feel like we got to knock on a little bit of wood as well and hope that he's not the the guy that wrecks the game, because he's tough to bring mm-hmm. down, right? I mean, he's he always seems to break a lot of tackles, and Packers are going to have to have him on lockdown. They've got a lot of things to focus on in this game.
3: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: 100%. All right, so prediction time. Packers, Niners, for a chance to go to the NFC Championship game for a third straight season. How is this one going to shake out? I know you guys have probably already given your predictions and some of your written work and on your shows, but... Let's go around the horn. Matt, we'll start with you. What do you got for a final score? Uh, I'm going to make it
1: short and sweet. I just want to double-check what the line is. I know last night it was at 6, but just to update everyone along the way, I think it's at 5.5 right now. Still at 5.5. Actually, the over-under went up a point, if anyone actually cares about that. Doesn't change my score at all, Uh, even with the weather change slightly. uh, Every single Niners-Packers game that I can remember, besides obviously that blowout a few years ago where they ran the ball down their throats, Jimmy G only ran it or threw it seven times um they've been really damn close so I'm gonna go with the Packers aren't even gonna cover um I'm going with the score 23 21 Packers in Lambeau going to the NFC championship game and whoever they take on is gonna be a hell of a matchup the NFC championship game and also one other point Paul came in pretty hot today with the Texas but he delivered today on this podcast <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just put that out there he, he brought some damn good information that I kind of forgot about along the way so shout
2: out to him as, as always would you expect anything else I wouldn't. I shouldn't so all right Paul, Packers-Niners, uh, Matt's got it a squeaker. Now, I don't know if that's a late score by the Niners that makes it look closer than it was. How do you have this one going in a frigid, cold Lambeau field on Saturday night? So I have the Packers winning 30-24. to
3: 24. The Niners, they certainly pose their challenges to this Green Bay Packers team, but Green Bay overall is the more talented team. The discrepancy in quarterback play is huge. It's at Lambeau Field. Green Bay's coming off a bye and when and when we look at some of those challenges that the Niners pose, their pass rush, this Green Bay Packers offensive line is going to be the healthiest it's been all season. And so, not to say it's going to be easy, not to say it's going to be, there aren't going to be bumps in the road, but they've found a way all season to handle some very good pass rushes. I mean, it's not like they haven't faced any challenges this year with injured players. They certainly have, and they've held up well. So I expect them to continue to do that. And as I mentioned earlier, I think Rodgers and the Adams are going to have a lot of success. Defensively, obviously that's where the concerns lie. But one big thing that we can look at as a difference maker from this time and like the last time, not week three, but 2019 when they met, is the Packers have Devondre Campbell in the middle of that defense, not Blake Martinez. So when I talked about tackling, been the best tackling linebacker in football, his coverage play over the middle has been superb this season where – Jimmy Garoppolo likes to attack and then his run defense as well. And obviously it's going to take more than Campbell, but I think that's such a big difference maker f- from the last time these two met in the playoffs. And each time this season, when that defense, even if they've been you know, leaking oil along the way, when they need a stop, they have found a way to come up with a stop. And you guys know, I love my numbers, but this one is just pure feeling. The Green Bay Packers, I don't know how they're going to be denied This season, it just feels like this has to be it. Right. And so I know I'm hundred percent going on emotion with that added element to it, but it's what I believe. So Packers 30 Niners, 24.
2: See, that's the rarity for you, Paul. That's like you getting out of your, (laughs) out of your space. Whereas I only live in emotionalville. So, and if you listen to quick slants earlier this week, it was almost like a locker room speech. I got a little preachy, but that was kind of my mantra, which was this year's Packers team is just prepared. They're dialed in. They're ready. Matt LaFleur, owes Kyle Shanahan one. I know they've won the last two games in San Francisco last year against a beat up Niners team earlier this season. Still a big victory, but it was a regular season game. Matt Lafleur owes one to his buddy Kyle Shanahan for the way that that the Packers got bounced out a, a couple of years ago. And tip of the cap to the Niners; they played a great game and they were able to do what they wanted to do, and so that's why they won the game. But this it mat, it matters something to these guys when you're going up against your former colleagues and Kyle Shanahan. Anytime LaFleur is playing against the Rams and Sean McVay, it's, it adds a little extra to the rivalry here, and I, I have to believe the Packers are going to be absolutely prepared and ready to go, not not to mention, as I've said a million times before, this is Matt LaFleur's third crack at it. We don't know what this team is going to look like next year. They can't afford to come out not prepared. They can't afford to come out not ready to tackle and do all the things that have gotten them to this point. It's certainly possible, but this game's at Lambeau Field. There's been a, a big push a big campaign to keep tickets out of the hands of Niners fans so I expect the crowd to be loud it's going to be cold all the things you want for playoff football I've got a 27-21 Packers it's a clean sweep all three of us are picking Green Bay to win this game I don't know if they can quite get to 30 and that's only because of the weather factor but I certainly think it's possible and if you've got someone as dialed in as Aaron Rodgers and trust me there's been plenty of doubt placed on him and we all know how he loves to respond to that I think he's going to have himself a really nice game as well as all the biggest players. Your best players have to play their best game. If the Packers get that from guys like Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, we'll take it easy on Jair because he hasn't played in a really long time, but if Russell Douglas does what he does and the script stays on as as it's been all season, I think the Packers absolutely come away with a victory. So... There's still going to be work to be done after this game, regardless of how it shakes out. So let's go around the horn as far as what is coming up there. So whether they win or they lose, Paul, what's going on over Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV?
3: So you can get ready for Packers Niners at Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV. Uh, Got my three keys to victory. Five big questions. Had an article just devoted to the importance of tackling. (laughs) <laughs> which I know is a bit redundant because football tackling is obviously important, but seems particularly important this week. At Cheesehead TV, it talked about if the Packers can have one player, you know, outside of Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, the big name guys, have a big game on the defensive side of the ball. It's Darnell Savage, again, that middle of the field where the Niners like to attack. Yak ability, the importance of the safeties and Joe Barry's defense against the run. If Savage can have a good game on Saturday it's going to go a long way for this Packers defense.
2: Yeah, for sure. So hopefully some good things to come there. We'll have the Quick Slants podcast that will come out on Monday and then again on Thursday of next week. Either way, we'll have a bunch to talk about. Hopefully we're talking about another football game. Matt, I would assume same situation for Final Dump. It's either going to be a recap of what could have been or let's go in the NFC Championship game.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the exact same way we're going to hope to come on uh, next Saturday with our with our episode here with Packaday. So same thing. Brendan and I will hopefully be previewing a game and hopefully talking about a, a close matchup that we're all kind of predicting versus the Niners, or we won't be. So uh, definitely hope it's the first one. But, yeah, find all the content over on Game on Wisconsin with everyone putting out stuff um, as we get into the divisional round.
2: Yeah, awesome stuff for sure. And everybody, the only thing left to do is enjoy the game. So enjoy the rest of your Saturday. As always, wherever you are at. And if you're watching this game on TV, be glad you're going to be in the comfort of your living room because it's going to be nice and frigid in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So with that, I'll say, as always, everybody, go Pack Go, stay safe, stay warm, and let's go beat those Niners.